Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Wisdom Seekers class uh, today. My name is Cece Collins, and I'm your teacher. And I want to share with you um, a little bit the history behind this message um, and how I chose this topic. Um, I woke up one morning, and the phrase, your uh, attitude determines your altitude, uh, determines your altitude and um, you know I thought about it a little while you know and I was contemplating you know what that really means and um, I, I guess the Lord's been working with me about my attitude about life situations and just stuff that you know we all go through um, in general but you know it just became it just began to resonate in my spirit more and more that the more I contemplated on it and, um, you know, we all know that our attitude controls a lot about the things in our life, you know, how we perceive things and how we react to things. Um, one of the things that really, um, you know, the Lord uh, spoke to me about was, you know, um, you know, as mnemonicos individuals, you know, our attitude for our placement in the Lord, if we're not where we need to be, you know, can really be affected, you know, if we... Um, if we choose to pray, you know, then we can hear from God and move forward. Um, and if we don't, then, you know, we're not the sons that he has called us to be. You know, we make that choice in our life. Pastors have been really speaking a lot of messages lately, you know, on, in alignment with that same, that very topic. You know, if we had choose to partner with the messages from this house and those that have been spoken through the leadership, you know, then... And really take those things to heart and, and, and glean upon them and, and, and use them, you know, for our good in life, then, you know, we can grow closer to God or, or it can allow for us to have a separation. I know um, there's been a separation in our network, you know, over the last few years. And it's because people have been, you know, searching out the wrong thing and they're not, and they're not, staying focused to their purpose and in alignment with what God has called them to be. Um, we need to have an attitude of prayer, don't we, every day. When we don't, we can't expect to be uh, who God has called us to be. And the choice, you know, is, is totally up to us. You know, we determine our, our relationship with the Lord. We determine, you know, the level that we want to walk in with Him. Um, and today we're going to be talking about a lot of scriptures that relate to that and the choices that were made and the outcomes that occurred because of them. And when the Lord gave me this message, of course, immediately, you know, after a day or so, I said, well, I've got to look in the Bible program, the word search program, and, and see if I can find scriptures that align with these, with these, uh, these words, um, attitude and altitude. And, of course, I searched the Bible program, and I, and I didn't find anything. So I thought to myself, well, Lord, you know, is this a message you've given me, or is it, you know, something you just want me to have, you know? And so, uh, once again, and I don't know how God, and God uses us all different ways, but for me, a lot of times, the Lord, when I wake up, things will just come to my mind, you know? And um, so one day I woke up again, and the Lord says, no, I want you to use the life of jo Job, Jonah, Saul, David, Elijah, and Paul. And so we've got a lot of scriptures to go over this morning. And, you know, these are very, uh, very um, familiar uh, scriptures, very familiar lessons that we're going to be talking about today. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to be putting in them in the mnemonicos uh, vein. That's the, that's the vein we're going to go into today. And so not being able to find attitude and altitude in the word search program, I'm using the Webster definition just to give us an example of their meaning. And as I said, I'm going to turn it back towards um, pneumaticos definitions. So our word here, attitude, is a noun. It's a bodily posture showing a mental state of mind, a manner that shows one's disposition. You know, you can look at a person and, and basically see their attitude and how they're, and how they're, you know, really, you know, their persona and what and, and where they're coming from in a lot of ways. I work at the high school, and you can surely see it in our youth and in the students today. Um, 
you know, their just their attitude about life in general. You can tell those that are, are really, you know, have strayed far away from the Lord and the ones that, that, you know, have a relationship with Him. And so our attitude plays a big role in our lives. And uh, the next word is altitude. And it says, the definition here is the height of, of a thing above a certain level, especially above sea level. But I'm going to focus on a high place, a high place. And, and, and this is the high place we are in the Lord. Um, or it says a region. So the first um, person we're going to study this morning is uh, Job. And as I said, there's a lots of scriptures. Um, I'm going to try to go through these quickly. Um, I'm going to paraphrase when I can. But, um, um, but I've, there's just a message that, uh, that I feel like the Lord is wanting to uh, portray today. So in Job, Job 1, 6 through 22. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence cometh thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from wake, uh, walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered? And this word considered here is sum. And it means to appoint, ordain, charge, commit, preserve, or determine. And it really blessed me because really what it's saying here that God had ordained this uh, situation for Job to happen in his life before the foundation of the world God had called Job into this place and it said he have thou considered my servant Job and there is none like him in the earth a perfect and this word perfect here is uh, Tam it's not um the one that we've been studying a lot lately, which is telio, but it's tam, and it means to be undefiled. And so when we're perfect before the Lord, we are, we are undefiled. And we know perfect is, uh, we've studied a lot about that being the place that, you know, we're perfect before the Lord. It's, we're perfect not in man's eyes, but in, in the way that God has created us to be. We're, he has created us perfectly for the position that he wants us to be in. And, and in that position, we are undefiled. Nothing, nothing can, can come against us when we stay in, in partnership with the Lord. And it says here that uh, Job was an upright man, one that fears God and eschewish evil. And eschewish means that he, he withdrew, that he declined not to be in partnership with anything that was evil. You know, and um, that he departed from it, that he removed himself from, from the situation so that he wouldn't partner with it. And so we can take that example from, uh, from Job in our lives not to get entangled with the things of this world and not to get entangled with anything that's going to draw us away from our position in the Father. Verse 9 says, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does uh, Job fear God for naught? Has not thou made a hedge, which means a fence, a fence of uh, protection about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Hast thou blessed the work of his hands and his substance and is increased in the land? But put forth thy hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And he's saying, and this is our word, Barak, which means to kneel and to bless, but it also means to blaspheme, and it means to curse God. Verse 12, And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that thy hath is in thy power. Only upon him put not forth thy hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Verse 13, And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger. And this is Malak. And, it, and this is uh, in reference to an angel or a messenger, specifically a prophet, priest, or teacher of the Lord. Unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and only am I escaped to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven, and hath burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them. And only am I alone to tell thee. 
While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the sword, edge of the sword, and only am and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came yet another and said, The sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house and have fell upon the young men and they died. And only am I uh, alone to escape to tell thee. Then Job arose and he rent his mantle. And this mantle here is Mili. And it means a robe, a cloak. It's the upper or the outer garment. It's a covering. It's a covering that we have upon us, a mantle that we carry uh, before the Lord. And he shaved his head, and he fell down upon the ground, and he worshipped. And worshipped here is Shaha, and it means to prostrate, basically, um, um, but, you know, towards the Lord. And he fell down flat, and he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. And the Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed, and this is our word, Barak, be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sin not, nor charge foolishly, God foolishly. This is such a, a powerful testimony of the love of uh, the love Job had for God. You know, how many of us would be able to withstand such persecution as this man has or did? We would have collapsed under much less pressure. Job's commitment to God was totally amazing, and he lost his livestock, servants, and children. But what did he do? You know, he honored God, and he fell prostrate because he knew where his help really came from. Amen? Amen. Um, and the next part here in Job 2, 1 through 10, it says, uh, Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered? And here we go. We got our word again, soon, which means ordained for this particular purpose. My servant Job, and there is none like him in the earth, a perfect, uh, complete, moral, undefied, and an upright man, one that feareth God and is shewish. He withdrew, he declined from evil. And still he holdeth fast his integrity, and this is his innocence. Although they moveth me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thy hand now, and touch his bones and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thy hand, but save his life. Verse 7. So when Satan, for, uh, uh, went, so when Satan uh, forth went forth from the presence of the Lord, and smoked Job with sore bowls from sole of his feet unto his crown. And so we're talking about from all the way from his foot all the way to his head. And he, and he took him a pot shear, which is a piece of glass, basically. He took a piece of glass and he scraped himself. He scraped it. Can you imagine how painful that could have been? And, and then he sat down by the ashes. And he says, Then his wife said unto him, Dost thou still remain thy innocence, thy integrity? Cursed God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God and should not receive evil? And all of this did not Job sin with his lips. You know, it's one thing for us to lose possessions, material, mystic things, and for, you know, for us to, to lose things that, well, even our family or, you know, a loved one. But to have our health attacked, you know, that just becomes into a completely separate level. And I know many are going through that battling right now as I speak, but even in these last year and a half that we've been through with COVID, many has gone through that, you know. And it's, um, you know, I'm sure there's people questioning, well, you know, you know, you're a servant of the Lord, you've lived all your life to serve God, you know you're a, a saint and a monocost individual, but uh, things still come upon you. Amen. And you have to you have to walk through those things. Um, 
But then when you have your wife coming into you and encouraging you to curse God, you know. So he had to have been a really strong man. But, the, you know, the, we, we learned here by here that, um, that considered means he was, he was ordained. So um, he was ordained. He was committed. He was determined. It was a position that he was uh, in with the Father. And so, um, you know, God, and, and, you know, basically Job knew his placement. Job knew his placement in the Lord. He knew, he knew what his calling was. He knew where his help come from. Amen. Um, and, and we have to, you know, we really have to realize that, you know, we're going to go through things in this life. You know, we live in this world. We're not of it. We've heard those, that phrase over and over again in our Christian walk. Um, and it's really, you know, uh, it, it all determines, you know, our attitude of how we're going to perceive things. You know, are we going to perceive things um, and just woe is me? We're going to look at some scriptures pertaining to that here in, in just a little bit. Are we going to, um, you know, where is our focus going to be? You know, are we going to partner with God and the things of God? Are we going to trust God to get us through the battle and the things that we're going to go through? And because if we do, then that, that determines our altitude, our placement in the Father. You know, where, where, where are we going to be? You know, where, where, are, where is our choices going to be? And the Bible says that at the end that, of Job, that all the things that he went through, that, that he was better in the end than he was in the beginning. And, and that everything that he had lost was restored. So we have to know that the things that we're going through are just temporal. And so we have to keep our attitude. And we have to do that also with the, with the with the situation in our world today and um, and all that we hear, you know, we you know we can never every day it's it's a new thing. Every day we turn on the news, it's a brand new thing. You know, are we going to um, look at Christ? I mean, God, and we're going to say, God, I know you're in this. You know, are, how are we going to receive it? How's our attitude going to partner with that? And and it really makes a difference whether we, you know, see things through the eyes of of Christ, or are we looking through things through the eyes of the world. So, are there any comments? Amen. <laughs> so the next one we're going to study here is Jonah. And it's a very familiar passage. We've all, you know, heard this over the years uh, several times. Uh, Jonah 1, 1 through 17. It says, Now, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amity, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee from Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going un, uh, to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down to it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he was fleeing from his, from his purpose. He was fleeing from the thing God had called him to do. It says, But the Lord sent out a great wind in the sea, and there was a mighty tempest. And this tempest was not just a little storm. It was like a hurricane out in the sea. So I, can just, uh, I just can't even imagine a boat being out there. So it says, So that the ship was uh, like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto their God and cast forth the wares, which is the stuff on the ship, that, they, that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it to lighten it of them. But uh, Jonah was gone down unto the sides of the ship, and he lay, and he was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so, be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said, Everyone to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whence cause this evil upon us? What is thy occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. See, they knew, they knew, they knew the power right there. 
even though they worshiped other idols and all these evil, they each had, they said over here, they, they each had, you know, they prayed to their own God, but they knew the God of the universe. Verse 11, they said unto him, what shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wroth and was tempterous. And he said unto them, take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. So Jonah knew what, what, what he had caused. For I know that for my sake this great tempest, this hurricane, this whirlwind is upon you. Nonetheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea wroth and was tempted against them. Wherefore they, uh, they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood for thou. O Lord, hast thou uh, done this? O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. And they made, and this mean, this word is Nadir, and it's a promise to God. So in doing, in this story here in, in uh, Jonah, not only were the people of Nineveh going to be blessed, but even the people on the boat. Because they turned their hearts back over to God, and they recognized the God, the Creator. Verse 17, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I cannot even imagine what Jonah went through because of his rebellion to follow the Lord's directive. You know, we have to be careful that when God gives us a directive that we, we do as God has asked us to do. Um, if, if we choose not to, we may not be thrown in the belly of a fish, but we will face some kind of persecution in our life when we walk away from our calling. And how many of us have refused to um, what God has asked us to do? It may not be the same assignment as jo uh, Jonah, but the, but the assignment that God has asked each one of us and, uh, is, is different, and, and none of it's, none of it's uh, small in comparison. You know, if God has something for uh, you to do, then be faithful to do it. Because, you know, we don't want things to come upon our lives because we have chosen not to follow the pathway of the Lord. And, and you know, always when someone strays from the Lord, they, they're going to be battling things that they, if they would just stay in alignment with God, they wouldn't be going through. And Jonah 2, 1 through 10. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. So he's in the belly of the fish, and here he's praying. And, and, and said, I cry by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the sea, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again towards my holy temple. So Jonah realized, you know, his, uh, you know, his failure before the Lord. And he knew that the only thing that, he, that was going to get him out of what he was in was to be able to, um, to turn his, his heart back to the Lord and recognize where he, you know, he made his wrong move. It says, um, I went down to the bottom of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about, about me forever. Yet haste thou brought me up my life from corruption. O Lord my God, when my soul fainteth within me, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple, that thou observe laying vanities, uh, forsake thy own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of tadah, the voice of praise, of offering, of thanksgiving unto the Lord. And I will pay that that I have vowed, that I have promised unto God, Salvation is of the Lord. And after his repentance, after he had given it, you know, recognized, you know, his failure, and that really his only way out was to turn back to the Lord because he was going to perish if he hadn't. Verse 10 says, And the Lord spake, and this is Amar, and he, de he declared, he demanded, and he commanded unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah unto dry land. 
that's really amazing to me that, you know, how powerful, how powerful our command can be, you know. You know, we given, we've been given the same power. You know, we can command those things to, to be in alignment you know, the same way. We've been given the same, the same um, opportunity. You know, are we going to use it for the Lord? Are we going to use it to, to further his kingdom? And it says that uh, the Lord spake. So all it takes is the word of, of speaking forth. You know, as the Father gives us uh, the words to speak, speak them out. Declare them. You know, command, command the situation to be in alignment. You know, command our own thoughts, our own desires, our own emotions to be in alignment with the, the place that we're supposed to be in the Father. So Jonah repented of his life, and he was spared. So how many of us wait until we have failed God in a task to ask forgiveness? How many of us wait until we're, we're, our health has taken us, you know, at the very end of our lives? How many of us wait? You know, let us, let us, not, let us not be those that have to go through punishment and, and sorrow and pain in order to, an affliction in order to... Um, to receive the blessings of the Lord. You know, God's help uh, for us is never uh, far away. If we, if we just rely and trust in him, first off. And let, uh, and, and you know, let God help us never to fall prey into uh, the enemy's tactics of drawing us away from uh, our position in the Lord. And, and, and let our attitude be an attitude of Christ and not an attitude of selfishness or, you know, the attitude of the world today is just really all about them. It's all about me, me, me. You know, what can I gain? What can I, you know, you know what can I gain from, from, Every situation, that's not, you know, that's not God's will for our lives. You know, we need to see what is God asking us? What is he calling us forth? You know, be that faithful son, that faithful saint to stand in the battle. You know, put on, put on our, our mantle, the mantle that God has placed on us. And let us be the ones that are, that are called to, to, uh, to welcome his presence. Amen. Amen. Are there any comments? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Saul this morning and in first Samuel nineteen, one through eighteen it says, And Saul spoke to Jonathan his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan's uh, Saul's son delighted much in David, and Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father seeketh to kill thee. Now therefore I pray thee, take heed to thyself unto the morning, and abide in a secret place, and hide thyself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where thou art. And I will commune with my father of thee. And what I see, that I will tell thee. And Jonathan spake uh, good of David unto Saul his father. And he said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant against David. Because he hath not sinned against thee, and because his works have been to thee work very good. For he did put his life in his hands and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great salvation for all of Israel. Thou sawest it, and didn't rejoice. Wherefore uh, then wilt thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a, a cause? And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan, and Saul sware, As the Lord liveth, he shall not slay, be slain. And Jonathan called David, and Jonathan slew him all the, uh, showed him all those things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. Verse 8, And there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and slew them with a great slaughter, and they fled, fled from him. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul. So Saul had turned, you know, has turned his heart back towards David um, in these verses that I've just read. But, you know, it says here that the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand, and David played with his hand, and Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin. 
But he slipped away out of Saul's presence, and he smote the javelin in the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. You know, if we don't have our, our hearts and our place right with the Lord, we can, these evil spirits can come upon us as well. You know, um, God can allow things to come into our lives to, to, to draw us back, to, to bring us back underneath uh, the covering that he has called us to be, that he's ordained for us to be. And this is what happened to Saul. He allowed uh, jealousy, bitterness, uh, envy to grow in his heart for David. And, and we're going we're gonna to read here how uh, God had turned, you know, allowed, changed Saul's heart and turned all that around. And Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence, and he smote the javelin in the wall, and David fled, and he escaped that night. Verse 11. Saul also sent messengers, and this messenger is not an angel or you know, a messenger of the Lord. It is the same word, malach, but it means a king's messenger, an ambassador, a deputy. Unto David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning. And uh, Miguel, David's wife, told him, saying, If thou save not thy life tonight, tomorrow thou shalt be slain. So Miguel uh, let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. And Miguel took an image and laid it in the bed and put a pillow of goat's hair for his bolster and covered it with a cloth. And when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, He is sick. And, the Saul, uh, and Saul met the messengers again to see David again. Bring him up into my bed that I may slay him. And when the messengers were come in, behold, there was an image in the bed with a pillow of goat's hair for his bolster. And Saul said unto Miguel, Why hast thou deceived me and sent away thy enemy that he is escaped? And Miguel answered Saul, He said unto me, Let me go, why should I kill thee? So David fled and escaped and came to Samuel in Ramoth and told them of all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and, and uh, dwelt in Naoth. You know, what was, what was wrong with uh, <clears throat> the things that uh, David had done? You know, what is it that made Saul so bitter and jealous? It's because he wanted to be, he wanted to be the person that, that everyone looked up to. You know, he had pride in his heart. And he had um, jealousy in his heart. And his attitude was wrong. You know, we have to be careful, you know that we don't look upon others' mantles, others' giftings, other others' callings, and say, well, I like that better than, than I have, and I want that, you know. I want to be like, well, I want to be like pastor. You know, I want to be able to speak forth. I want to know all the knowledge that God has given pastor. You know, I want to, but God didn't ordain me. He hadn't created me to be in that position, you know. Each one of us have a, a special calling, you know. I've been in education for, well, this is my, I'm finishing my 28th year. And, uh, you know, I can say, I want to be like Tammy, you know. I want to have all the giftings and callings. I want to be the awesome teacher that she is. But God hasn't called me to be that. God has called me to be who I am and put me in the place that I'm in. And therefore, I have to walk forth in that. Not with pride, not with jealousy, not with envy because I'm not what I think I should be or what I want to be. And so we have to allow that those, the bitterness doesn't come into our heart to, to make us be what God has not called us to be. We have to watch our attitude. Amen? So Saul's heart grew bitter over David's accomplishment. And in 1 Samuel 24, 1-22, and it says, And it came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of in Galilee. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men. Can you imagine <laughs> taking that many people in all of Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the goats? So, I mean, he took 3,000 chosen men. So he was really determined. I mean, he was set forth to destroy David. Verse 3 says, And he came to the sheep goats by the way where, he was, there, where there was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet, and David and his men remained at the sides of the cave. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which the Lord 
said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thy enemy into thy hand, that thou mayst do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose, and he cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him, because he had cut off Saul's skirt. So David's heart, I mean, he knew he had done wrong. He knew that he had touched to, uh, you know, God's anointed. Verse 6, And he said unto the, uh, the men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. And David also rose afterwards and went out of the cave and cried unto Saul, saying, My Lord the king. And when Saul uh, looked behind him, David uh, stooped with his face to the earth, and he bowed, he prostrate. He made homage to uh, the man of God. In verse 9, And David said to Saul, when, uh, where, Therefore hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seek thy hurt. Behold, this day thy eyes have seen how that the Lord had delivered thee to thee today into my hands in the cave, and some... Uh, bade me to kill thee. But my eyes spared thee, and I said, I will not put forth my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yea, see the skirt of thy robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the skirt of thy robe, and killed thee not. Know thou, and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in my hand, and I have not sinned against thee, for thou huntest meant my soul to take thee. The Lord judge between me and thee, and the Lord avenge me for thee. But my hand shall not be upon thee, as says the proverb of the ancient. Wickedness proceeded from the wicked, but my hand shall not be upon thee. After whom is the king of Israel come out? After whom dost thou pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? And the Lord therefore be judged, and judge between me and thee, and see, and plead my cause, and deliver me out of thy hand. And so Saul, he had a change of heart. His attitude changed, didn't it? In verse 16. And it came to pass when David had made an end of repeating these words that Saul said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, Thou art my, thou righteous, you are more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me with good. This is, uh, this is our word, Tob. Whereas I have rewarded thee with evil. Verse 18. And thou hast showed this day how that thou hast dealt well with me. For as much as when the Lord had delivered me into thy hand, thou killest me not. For if a man find his enemy, will he uh, let him go well away? Wherefore the Lord rewarded thee for that thou hast done unto me this day. And now behold, I know well that thou hast surely you surely will be king, king of Israel, shall be established in the kingdom of Israel, will be established in thy hand. Swear now thou for unto me by the Lord that thou wilt not cut off my seed after me, and that thou wilt not destroy my hand out of my father's house. And David made a covenant, he made a swear unto Saul, and Saul went home, but David and his men got them up unto the hold. You know, Saul realized... Uh, you know, his, uh, what, that God had anointed uh, David. And he repented of his feelings toward David. Saul's attitude changed to, towards him. He blessed David and he recognized him as a future king. And in doing so, his seed would continually be blessed. When we, we bail against God and walk out of covenant, we hurt more than ourselves. You know, we have our seed, to, our generation before us to consider. And, you know, many don't even think about that. They don't even realize. They don't even contemplate those things today about their behavior and the things that they're doing. I mean, the ravishing on the streets that people are partnering in and the things that they're just, um, they're becoming, they're becoming a part, you know, a part of, you know, it's all going to come back on them. You know, it's drawing them away from their position in the Father. It's allowing them not to be where God has called them to be. Um, you know, and our job as saints and sons is to just, you know, welcome the presence, you know, and to, and to ask God, you know, to change these situations in these people's hearts, you know, change their attitudes, change their desires, their, 
their, you know, their thoughts and the way that they perceive things. Amen. 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 Are there any comments? Yeah, Cece, um, it's, it's interesting that, that David uh, cut the, the hem of uh, Saul's skirt. The authority. Yeah, because it's, it's, just, it's just an interesting sidelight because a couple chapters earlier when um, Saul and Samuel were having a, an issue, um, Saul reached out and grabbed the hem of, of uh, Samuel's robe and it tore and Samuel said God is renting the kingdom away from you and then then you had the Goliath story and then you had Jonathan knitting his heart to David and you had the women singing you know how great David is and then you have this and I, I think there may be a, a lesson it's just, just an insight here that um the thing that really doomed Saul, and I know there were two episodes with him and Samuel, but the last one with the tearing of the hem was that he really separated himself from the, the relationship with God. And he separated himself from the, the prophetic accountability. And because of that then, God couldn't move through Saul in the kingdom any longer. He was searching, and God was searching for one after his own heart. So then you have David cutting off the hem, and then David was grieved over that. And basically, it was it was against Yahweh, because Saul was That's still in position, but, you know, and, and the, uh, it's kind of like when Aaron sinned, and, um, but because of his robes and because of his position, God kept him in position. So I really think that there's there's kind of a lesson for us here today. You have you have people that are separating themselves from what God really wants. Right. Even Numatikas, some Numatikas people you reference, they came out of alignment with with what God had really positioned because they thought they had a better way. What then is the bleeding of the sheep? You know, they thought they had a better way. But it doesn't make sense that what Samuel asked for. But we have to maintain our commitment to the plan of God. And David lamented over the fact that he cut off that hem. Um, and it's difficult. I mean, like you said, you got three thousand guys. That's that's more than the assemblies race. <laughs> And, you know, you've got 3,000 guys coming after you. You kind of get ticked and you think, well, these guys aren't in line with what God's wanting to do. But it's God that that represents that. And it's his to take down. And yes, build up. up, take down, yes. And so, it's, it, you know, it seems, might seem like a small thing, but it's the word of God. And it's really a crucial thing for us if we're in the tabernacle of David. We can see people who have separated themselves from the, the, the alignment that God has. And we might not like and we don't like a lot of the things that are going on. But we have to know that God's protecting us, saving us, putting people around us that are choice people. And we just have to be careful that we don't strike out because we'll lament that, just as David did. Even though in, 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 in reality, what David did was, was not right, but it was true. <laughs> and Saul wasn't anymore doing the work of Yahweh as the man in the moon was. I mean, he, he was not offering supplication. He was, he was way out of line. I don't really know what that means for us today, but I, I just think we need to just be careful. For the one thing that David lamented was that he had cut that off. Yeah, he had touched that authority. Yeah. That authority. Uh, yeah. Even though I'm sure that <clears throat> all this time that he was being pursued by Saul, his heart wasn't towards Saul. I mean, he really, it wasn't. I mean, how could you, you got somebody pursuing you and pursuing you, 10,000, 5,000 men coming at you. How are you going to have an attitude, you know, of, of, of 
reverence, yeah. right? I mean, you know, he. How can I? How can I honor that person? You know, how can I honor that authority? And so, but after he did that, after he cut that robe, he realized, you know, yeah. no matter what I've been through, no matter what what has come against me, I still have to remember, you know, the authority yeah, to honor the, God, even if he can't honor Saul. Right. Right. Yeah. You have to honor. Yes. So I didn't know it was an act of pride. I see it as though he was wanting to give Saul the message that I could have had you, and I let you go. Right, that's right. Which, but then it grieved him that he had that that right, attitude, prideful moment, and right? That attitude, as you said, right? And um, he, he uh, if something's coming against you, just looking at it from Saul's point of view. If something's coming against you, all of us will see it, or all of us who see it, I should say, will say to themselves, I'm not going to let that happen. That's not happening to me. And he pursues David to kill him. But what we just read here is the first time that Paul, or excuse me, that Saul has ever verbalized the inevitability of what David will one day be. Right. And at that point, he asked for mercy. He asked the king, asked a servant for mercy, yeah. which you don't see every day. Mm, <laughs> no. And, and so he's he's verbalizing the inevitability of, of it. He's recognizing, you know, God is, is yeah. changing. <clears throat> right. And then later he changes his heart towards David again. Right. So. Right. It just went back and forth. But yeah. anyway. You know, we have to be careful, too. We have to recognize the authority structure that's been placed inside of us, um, inside of our network. We have to be working on the authority structure that that we have in our jobs. And uh, we even have to recognize the authority we have in our nation. You know, I know Pastor had uh, spoken a while back about us praying for our president and those in leadership in, in um, you know, in government. We have to. We have to. We have to. Even though we don't agree, maybe, with their policies, their procedures that they're going through, but we have to recognize that God allowed it, they're in position, and we have to, you know, we have to take, we have to honor them for who they are and their mantle, their role that they're playing before the Lord. Okay, we're going to go through this story of David here. Um, and it said, And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all of Israel, and they destroyed the children of uh, Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still in Jerusalem. So this is the first thing that happened. David stayed home, right? David didn't go out to battle like he was supposed to. And what happened? Because he, he stayed home. And it came to pass in eventide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers, which was being the king's men, and took her, and she came unto him, and he laid with her, and she was purified. After her uncleanliness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David that I am with child. So David realized, you know, um, that he had to come up with a plan. And so, paraphrasing for time's sake, so David uh, sent Joab to uh, summon Uriah, Uriah the Hittite to come unto him. And so he brought him back out of the battle and he gave him a couple of different times to uh, set him up so that he would go home and then the baby would have shown to be Uriah's and not David's, but uh, Uriah wouldn't. And so we can, take, um, we can take instructions, a lesson from Uriah, his faithfulness, that when, is he, that he, when he has been called to a, a a position of service, what his role is, and what he's supposed to, uh, what he's supposed to. He wouldn't go home. He wouldn't. He wouldn't make himself comfortable. He wouldn't eat and drink at his own house and and uh, lay with his wife because the soldiers and the men were out in war, and he didn't. You know, he realized that they were out fighting, and he wasn't going to be. Um, he wasn't going to go home and be comfortable and and 
and enjoy, you know, being home and just kicking back. Um, and it says that, and David had, you know, twice he tried to set him up, and, um, and both times it failed. And so David, uh, because of that, what happened? And it says in verse 14, And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it, it, it to him by his hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire ye from, from him, that he may smite, be smitten, and die. And it came to pass that when Joab observed the city, that he assigned Uriah unto a place where he, would, he knew that valiant, and these are uh, uh, strong, strength, valor, uh, and this is our word, Hillel, um, men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab. And there fell some of the men into the uh, servants of David, and Uriah the Hittite died. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when her mourning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house. And she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. You know, when we get out of the battle, we get in trouble. David is a fine example of someone who took their eyes off their purpose. Uriah didn't take his eyes off of his assignment. He knew where, what God has called him to do, and he stayed faithful. And we, and we can take a lesson from Uriah's faithfulness. And in 2 Samuel 12, 13-24, And uh, the Lord said unto Nathan, I have sinned against thee. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because of this deed that you have done, this terrible thing that you have caused, your child will not live. And so we know that David went in and he, um, and he it says here that he besought the, uh, God for the child, that he fasted and he went in and he laid day and night, which he prostrated before the Lord, and he prayed and he sought <coughs> the Lord for, um, for the life of the child, but the child didn't live. When David realized that, what, uh, that the child had, was not going to live, and then what did he do? He washed himself, he cleaned himself up, and he, um, and he, you know, he worshipped and he lay prostrate before the Lord. And then, um, and then he arose, and he ate, and he drank, and of course he wept. He said, the child was, uh, while the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. He said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead, wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back? So, David had to pay a huge price for his failure. You know, losing a child is very devastating. David realized uh, his failure before God, and he fasted, he prayed, hoping the child would live. But God blessed him and gave him another son who was a powerful man that ruled Israel for many, many years, and that was Solomon. We're going to touch on um, Elijah here. And in 1 Kings 19, 1 through 18, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and, and with how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, Go let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servants there. But he himself went a day's journey in the wilderness and came and sat down underneath a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, Is it enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he laid and slept under the juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him, and this is a messenger of the Lord, and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking in the coals and a curse of water at his head. And he laid down again. And so the angel came back and did it again a second time. And it says that that meal that he, la that he, uh, that he ate lasted him for 40 days. With the, it says, and went into the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights. <clears throat> Verse 9. And he came hither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What's... What dost thou hear, Elijah? He said, 
I have been here jealous. He says, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by in the great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces in the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after that he uh, was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, he was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a still, small voice, and it was so that Elijah heard it. But he wrapped his face, his mantle, his cloak, his, his authority, and he went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him. And what did God say? Did he say, oh, you poor pitiful thing? I'm so sorry that you um, have gone through all these things. No, what did he say? He basically told him to, you know, you know, get back into the, in the place that I've called you to be. You know, I've asked you to do these things, Elijah. You know, I still have a work for you to do. And he says, um, go return into thy way into the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nemish, Nemishi, shall thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elijah, the son of Shabbat, of Amelia, I must pronounce that, shall thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escaped the sword of Hazel shall Judah slay, and him that escaped from the sword of Jehu shall Elijah slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel. Of all the knees which thou have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which thou hast not kissed. You know, Elijah feared Jezebel, what she could do to him. He didn't trust God. You know, God had sent him in, sent him in the form of, uh, sent help to him in the form of an angel. And God was help, send help in the form of whatever way we need it to in our life. Our time of intercession gives us strength to overcome things we may face. God sends encouragement to us through pastor and to the leaders of this house, which are a great blessing. Words to keep us focused and help us to stay in alignment with our purpose. And how often does God have to encourage us? God has work for us to do, no time for us to allow the defeat to enter in. We can't look at the situation we are in and allow it to determine our future. We may think we are alone, but God has raised a mighty army to come alongside us. You know, if our... If, uh, you know, if we could number the people that have partnered with us, you know, we would be totally amazed. Uh, and Pastor just says there's, you know, there's so many of them that, you know, they want to grab hold of our garment, you know, the mantle that God has placed upon us and walk and, 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 and uh, walk with us. And so, you know, we don't have time to sit back and say, oh, poor pitiful me, you know, I wish I had this, I wish I had that, you know, I wish things were this way or you know i wish i had this great ministry you know all these people that i can minister to the lord is saying you know you have all those things they may not be physically right there by your side but they're you know when you're in intercession in partnership with the lord they're at the throne right there with you uh, partnering with you and plus we have a host of angels all around us to to guide us and to lead us and i want to close today with paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 1-10, it says, It's not expedient for me to doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelation of the Lord. And I knew a man in Christ above 14 years, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such a one caught up uh, into the third heaven. And I, and I knew such a man. Verse 4. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such as one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation. There was given me a thorn in my flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, this is the Lord, these are words in red, my grace is sufficient for thee, 
for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, some things we go through in this life are to refine us. And Paul had a great visitation from the Lord. But he still, he suffered affliction. He still had troubles. He still had trials. And all this he counted in an honor to suffer for Christ. Just because he was granted the authority to receive visions and revelations, his life was not free from trouble. We have been granted that same giftings as Paul. But our life is not going to be free from trouble. The world and its events may rub us the wrong way. They might become a thorn in our flesh. People we know may become that way. God is the one that is in control. And Paul is saying none of these things move him. So I ask you today, what is your thorn? What is it that rubs you the wrong way? What is it that irritates you? You know, release it to God and see him move in your behalf. Having an attitude of prayer will change your perspective. In order to gain a conformed mind, we need to spend time in prayer, time in the word. Then our heart, will, and emotions will change. And then we can see, uh, and then we can see things as God sees them. Amen? So, do I have any comments?
you will immediately uh, be in a situation and the Lord will drop into your mind a story, like for example, this one about Jonah, and you will tell them, look, this is how you receive faith and this is how you hear God. And you'll step into your teaching, uh, the Bible study that you have had, and you're going to release to them what they need for this hour. Um, it's very critical. Um, it's happening right now, uh, probably today. And uh, so uh, we need you to be strong, and we need you to have that boldness in the spirit. And we need you to release this prophetically and as an intercessor. Amen. I received that. Any more comments? All right. Well, I just want to thank y'all today for bearing with me on all these very, very long uh, scripture verses today. I felt they were necessary in order to uh, deliver, you know, what I felt the Lord wanted me to today. So I just bless each one of you. I hope y'all have a fantastic day. Sounds like we might get some rain here in Dallas. So that's a sign of blessing as well, isn't it? So amen. We'll talk to y'all later. Bye. <laughs>